It's a little-known fact that Cheerscast is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm here to see Sam. Oh, he should be down in a few minutes. He's upstairs at Melville's with Miss Eldridge. She's telling him what to say and what not to say at the press conference today. Oh, there's a press conference? Yeah, and it's going to be right here in the bar. It's oh, quite unorthodox. No, I think it's open to all faiths. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and joining me once more to discuss the final episode of Season 4, the host of the SNL Nerds podcast and returning friend of the show, Mr. John Trumbull. What's up, John? How are you doing? I, it seems like I was just here like four episodes ago. It does it, seem like that. I, I, mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but it seems a little soon to have me back. But I'm always happy to be on the show. How have you, how have you been? Are you good? Well, well, if that's the way you feel, then you're not coming back until season seven. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. All right. Well, good night, everybody. This has been fun. <laughs> yeah, here we are talking about Strange Bedfellows Part 3 of three this is season four episode 26 um before we get into the synopsis for this one uh john like i'm overall thoughts on this story so far the first two thirds with sam meeting miss janet elridge the councilwoman of boston and this whole sort of saga with her trying to get diane fired or quit yeah it's it's a really interesting story arc uh for cheers because we've seen we've seen like diane with another man with Frazier. We did that whole arc in season three, but we haven't really seen Sam in a serious relationship and, and get to see Diane get jealous. So that's, that's interesting. And that's a neat thing that the show hasn't done yet, even into the, the fourth year, just because I guess just because Sam doesn't have that many serious relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like it noted that even though I'm just covering part three, I did make a point of watching the first two parts of this episode because I am committed to this podcast. We so, appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. This is the first place I saw Kate Mulgrew, who is probably best known for doing Voyager, right? Or is it Orange the New Black at this point? I, see, I was going to say, I, I apologize to so many of my listeners, but I am not the biggest Star Trek fan. I My heart sort of belongs to the original series just because those characters are the ones I'm the most familiar with. I've seen maybe one yeah. episode of Voyager. I know who she is. I know who Kate Mulgrew is, and I know the the sort of legacy of that show, but I definitely am more of a fan of her from Orange is the New Black. <laughs> I was so afraid you were going to say Mrs. Columbo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, actually, vo- I'm... I'm totally with you that the original Star Trek is is far and away my favorite of the, the Trek shows. And I watched only the first few years of Voyager and I, I got kind of disenchanted with it. But over the last few years, I've started watching the reruns on H&I Network and uh, caught up on it. And I, apparently I stopped watching just before the show started getting pretty good. <laughs> and so the show has grown on me over the years. There's still something I find a little off-putting about Kate Moker, though. I hate to say it, um, but I think it's something about her manner. But she just kind of comes off kind of cold on screen. Mm, and by halfway through episode two of this arc, I was I was really hitting Janet Eldridge. <laughs> she, I was well, just like, "Oh God, you're evil." <laughs> 
Well, we'll see. We'll see um, what happens in this one. Um, so Strange yeah, Bedfellows yeah. Part 3, written as the whole the three-parter has been written by David Angel, directed by Jim Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, May 15th, 1986. Diane comes back to Cheers to apologize to Sam for eavesdropping on his conversation with Janet, hoping that once her guilt is assuaged, she can move on with her life. Instead, she panics and hides under Sam's desk when he and Janet come in to prep for a press conference. Eavesdropping again, Diane overhears Janet tell Sam that she's been getting a lot of questions about the long-term possibility of her relationship with Sam. Basically, if they'll get married, Sam instantly becomes uncomfortable with the topic, not wanting to put any more thought into it at the moment. Later that day, Janet holds a press conference there at Cheers. After fielding a couple of fluff questions, Diane sabotages the event by asking Sam if he plans to marry Janet. Sam gets defensive and the reporters smell the blood in the water and pounce on this line of scrutiny. While Janet attempts to salvage the press conference, Sam is lured into a childish bout of making nasty faces at Diane, who then shoots him with a squirt gun, causing Sam to erupt and scream over the reporter's questions. That night, Janet tells Sam that while she still loves him, she can't be with him if he's still in love with Diane, which he must be or he wouldn't have gotten so needlessly emotional and personal at the press event. Janet tells him he needs to make a firm commitment like she's doing, choosing her career over him if he can't grow up. When everyone else goes home, Sam, alone in the dark, decides to make a decision. He calls someone up on the phone and asks her to marry him. But who did he propose to? We'll have to wait until next season to find out. All right, John, what'd you think? I mean, oh, wow. The season ending cliffhanger. I mean, that's that's exciting. I mean, the the first season, it wasn't quite a cliffhanger because it's it's like Sam and Diane finally getting together. And if that was like the last ever episode of the show, it's a good ending for the show. Second season, we have Sam and Diane breaking up. Again, that feels kind of like an end point, but it's not quite a cliffhanger. Third season, definitely a cliffhanger with Sam going off to prevent Diane and Frazier from getting married. And this one, hardcore cliffhanger, was we do not know who Sam has just proposed to. Yeah, this is something else. It's a really good episode. It's a very solid episode of Cheers. So, I mean, if, if Carla was right, he called a woman with big cassavas. Because mm. she, she is convinced that that is what his destiny, that is the woman for him, for him, that he will end up settling down with. So you, you think he could have called a third woman <laughs> in the mix. And it, it's not just a question of Sam, or, or it's not just a question of Diane or Janet. It's Diane, Janet, or some third woman with big cassavas. I, I think there's a good, a strong possibility, yes. <laughs> Wow, that's that's a game changer there. I mean, <laughs> there are so many directions they could have gone in. I really wonder if when they wrote this episode, if they knew who was going to be on the other end of that phone call. I think Probably. They yeah, I, I think they had to. I think they knew that Kate Mulgrew wasn't coming back. I mean, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. If we're, if we're going to spoil the ending of the cliffhangers. Yeah. In retrospect, it is kind of obvious that it had yeah. to be Diane. Because like, right. what else do you do with Kate Mulgrew's character? Right. Because then, then it's just a whole Yeah. And also I, I feel like there there are definitely seeds planted in this in this episode too that kind of like suggest that 
he's not com- like he isn't committed to her. And I, I do. I want to get back to something that you mentioned beforehand because it was something that I I really like. I mean, yes, there are time. There are points in this sort of like uh, this trilogy, this three part episode where you're not supposed to like Janet, and she does come across as right. really she like without. Not terrible, but like sort of subtly kind of like nasty and, and a little bit vindictive. But I mean, she's a politician, so she's, yes, yes, she's she a manipulator. Is. She knows yes. how to play people. And she is she is playing Sam at several points in this storyline, particularly in part two. Um, um, but she's also she's also playing him in part three. Uh, th- there's a bit where they have this big confrontation in their office and she's like, well, Sam, you know, uh, let me hear about your future plans or, or what are your intentions towards me? And then later in the episode, Diane says, you've been seeing each other for six weeks. And I'm like, what, you're having this conversation six weeks into the relationship? I was like, my God, that's moving fast. Maybe maybe six months you have that that conversation. But yeah, and that's, that's why I... I mean, I don't know if they could have stretched this out more, but there were definitely there are yeah. times throughout this whole storyline where I was like, I kind of wish we had gotten more of this. And it, to kind of go back to uh-huh. what you were saying, like we saw Diane with Frazier and we got to see how mm-hmm. under any other circumstance, that was a perfect that was the, like the, the perfect couple. Like they complimented each other. They had the, all these natural mm-hmm. interests in each other. Like she was good for him. He was good for her. They should have been yeah. together. They should have gotten married, except for the fact that she was more in love with Sam. And yeah, here they, they just didn't have the heat between them. That, that yeah. And now you Sam see Sam, Sam and Janet. And like, even though she's not a bimbo she's not like one like a like a like a a supermodel or like a you know like a stewardess or something like the type of woman that he would normally go for she was actually better than that first he was still attracted to her she was a great looking woman they had that he they had that connection that passion you know when he goes to her office Mm -hmm. he's ready to you know throw her down on the desk but she (laughs) challenged him to be a little bit better to be a little bit more responsible to take his position more seriously and in, in as much as she was using him for his local celebrity, he was able to advance. He was able to meet more people. He was able to network and and capitalize on that own celebrity, which is what he always wanted. Like, if they had gotten married, that would have been a great thing for Sam. That would have been a great elevation for his business, for his notoriety in Boston. That's, like, they could have been a great couple. Yeah, he would have become even more of a local celebrity. Yeah, exactly. And they could have been great together. But for the fact that the same is true, that he is more in love with Diane. And like I think that that's the, the case because we see it when she talks about marriage, how defensive and how how upset she gets. And when Woody comes in and says, hey, are you ever going to post uh, a notice like that to replace Diane? And he says, leave me alone. I'll get to it eventually. He doesn't want to move on. He doesn't want to He doesn't want to right. replace Diane, not just at the bar, but in his life. Like, I mean, I, I felt like that line was just telling that he doesn't see Janet as a long-term replacement for Diane, who his heart really belongs to. And that's why I kind of feel like at the end – Obviously, he's going to call, like, even if it wasn't a matter of the actress is contractually obligated for another season, 
obviously mm-hmm. like Diane is the woman he was going to propose to. Right. Yeah. It's interesting that Sam's life would have substantially changed if that relationship with uh, Janet Eldridge had continued. He could have played so many more games of Trivial Pursuit with Gary Hart, but I just, I just had to mention the Gary Hart thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Hart. It's, it's such a thing that places the storyline in that moment in time in 1986 where Gary future almost would be president. I'm trying to think like, what was there? Like, they had uh, John Kerry makes an appearance. Um, uh, uh, Tip O'Neill. Tip O'Neill. Michael Dukakis, yeah. I think. Yeah. Like all these like local Massachusetts uh, and, uh, politicians. Uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, yes. <laughs> Admiral Crew, I think. I'd have to look up his name. Yeah, I got it. And, and then, you know, a few of the Boston Celtics as well. Yep. Yeah. Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale, uh, twi- two or three times, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, they, got, they got a lot of... Uh, local Boston celebrities and they were, they were never too gratuitous about it. It was always somebody that you could conceive coming into cheers because like they had a reason to be in Massachusetts or whatever. So, Oh God. I'm just now like, if they did this show today, they would have had Elizabeth Warren showing up. That would have been hilarious. Like, would have, oh my probably, God. Would been, probably would have been lecturing Carla or something like that. <laughs> I mean, hey, Elizabeth Warren was great when she cameoed on SNL. I would, I would like to see that. Um, yeah, that that would be funny. I hadn't thought of what modern day <laughs> Boston or Massachusetts celebrities we could have, but wow, um, kind of weird. They never had a Kennedy on the show. Yeah. Well. Um. Okay. So, so going through the episode. Anyway, for- that was a big tangent. So. Yeah. So if we, if we get our teaser, and this is one of those, you know, every every season finale episode has, like, basically we need to recap what happened in the episode before it, because um, they're always mm-hmm. multi-part finales. Um, and in this case, we get Woody recording a message to, on a tape recorder to send home to his parents in Indiana, and he's basically recapping the story that we've gone over with Sam and Janet and uh, their whole thing. And then as he plays it back, it's a tape of Winston Churchill delivering a speech from 1940. <laughs> and like Norm is leaning over like, what are you listening to? And Woody just, he assumes he's like, wow, you know, you always hear your voice sounds different on tape, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a great, it's a great Woody bit. Um, and it's a clever way to recap the storyline so far. I also love when he's just like, hi, mom and dad, it's your son, Woody. <laughs> Boyd, <laughs> he feels the need to put his last name in there in a in a tape message to his parents. Um, <laughs> but if they're Woody's parents, yeah, they probably did need that extra hint. Like, oh, that Woody. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then just picking up, and we kind of go through this whole plot line because we need we need some resolution from this whole thing with uh, Norm and Vera and Vera's sister Donna, who has been at his apartment, yeah. like staying with them. Which and he calls her what does he call her an exhibitionist like the sex starved exhibitionist who keeps flirting with him. Yeah, this whole deal is that Vera is out of town. She went to Springfield. I'm assuming Springfield, Massachusetts, to deal with a family crisis. Why would her sister yeah. not go with her for this family crisis? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I I heard Springfield. I was just assuming she went to go visit the Simpsons because we know yeah, that Cheers takes place in the same universe as the Simpsons. So. Yes. Um, she she has some connection with Marge, I guess. <laughs> yes. The Springfield <laughs> that is that is adjacent to the desert, uh an East Coast yeah. like ocean, uh like large mountains. The, yeah, the, the Springfield that is And just, it borders like four states that aren't close to each other. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Yes. 
Springfield, it, it's like a TARDIS. It's it's wherever it needs to be for that week's story. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a feeble excuse to have uh, Vera out of town, but it's mm. it's basically an off-screen subplot, so I think it's certainly forgivable. Right. So it's it's just to give Norm and Cliff some bits of business in this episode because otherwise exactly. they wouldn't have much to do. So yeah, yeah. So so it's that um, <laughs> Donna calls Norm and says she's making a turkey dinner, and she says there will be no dressing. And he's trying to read the double entendre, and he's like, "Is it okay? Does she mean the food or the clothes or like them?" So Cliff ends up going to yeah. dinner with them. And comes back and saying that Norm was exaggerating and how dare he impugn the reputation of a sweet, innocent girl like that. Because it was obvious that Donna was coming on to Cliff the entire time. And Norm was like, oh, thank you, Cliff. Yeah. You and that's pretty were. much it for that subplot. Yeah, it didn't really kind of fizzled out, didn't really go anywhere. Which yeah. I feel is the case with any time they try to do like like longer subplots with Norm, like they don't go anywhere, like... At the time, like with when Nor when Vera moved out, eventually she just comes back in, and then for a while in season three yeah. they were trying to get pregnant and they just stopped. Well, I th- I think that's just kind of because there's only so much you can do with an off-screen character. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's basically just going to be Norm telling us about oh here's this thing that's happening with Vera, and we don't see Vera and we don't see her, her sister. I guess because they they found it funnier that way. Because if if they show Donna, then we then we have to address the the question of like, well, is Vera's sister attractive? And if her sister is attractive, does that mean Vera is attractive, or is Norm exaggerating? And yeah, why open that can of worms? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, good point. So Diane comes in, and Woody tells her, "Let's slip that there's going to be a press conference held at the bar today." And she says, "That's quite unorthodox." And Woody goes, "No, I think it's open to all fates." <laughs> Great line, great line, and wow, is it is it so flimsy that she's having a, a press conference in Cheers? Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, does that make any sense for a politician to have? I mean, she she says at the beginning of the press conference, she's like, oh, I thought you might be tired of, of the usual press room, so I thought I'd show you reporters what the inside of a bar looks like. Which was a nice cover. I mean, they had to address it. They had to like, like they had yeah. to come up with, yeah, like you said, as flimsy as it is, they needed some reason. So I was like, okay, that's yeah. fine. We'll move on. I mean, it made sense I mean, in the uh, first part when she's just doing like kind of a walking tour and they just kind of stop in to like meet people and she's, you know, you know, pressing the flesh and campaigning and stuff like that. Right, that right. was fine to have her there. But now it's like, yeah, why are you doing, why are you having a press conference there? I mean, I, I can, uh, Levine uh, has a, a great blog, um, Hollywood and Levine, or that's that's the name of his podcast. Mm-hmm. The, the, the blog is by Ken Levine, and he, he he talks about how that was just a basic convention of Cheers, where it's like people would come to Cheers straight from like the airport with suitcases in their hands, <laughs> yeah. and it's like you don't check into your hotel first, but it's just. The story is going to happen at the bar, so that's what you do. And it's, I mean, it's just funny to see the flimsy excuses that they have to have things happen in the bar sometimes. I mean, I didn't have to have Norm's tab. I could have had the wedding tab of how many marriages almost take place like in the bar, and it would have been almost it's as It's an much. unusual number of marriages. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. They have, they have more than their share of marriages and cheers. Yeah. 
Um, what did you think about the scene between Carla and Diane when Carla kind of like apologizes for making fun of Diane's hair and wants to take back all of the crummy things she says? Um, it's interesting because it's like the characters think that, yeah, Diane is leaving for real. But of course, the actors know and the writers know that Diane's not leaving for real. So it's it's kind of weird. It's uh, it's it's a different thing for the characters than it is for us. Um, it's it's an amusing scene with her being like, hey, I take back all the insults. Well, except this one. I really like this one. And and the thing about that, I, I'm still kind of proud of that. So it's a cute scene. That's I think that's about all I had to say about it. Yeah, I felt like they just they needed to give Rhea Perlman something for this episode and didn't really have much. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It's just uh they needed Rhea Perlman to do some bits of business and and what else is she gonna do? <laughs> so D- Diane goes into to Sam's office to kind of wait for him and Woody finds her in there and she confesses to him that she eavesdropped on Sam's conversation with Janet. She feels guilty about that. Um she's come to apologize and and they can sort of close that book and she can leave forever. And she's kind of given this whole little monologue and Woody just goes, okie dokie. Like he just takes it like that easily. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, Woody has a nice scene with Diane. He's it's, it's almost like a coach scene. Yeah. Um, where it's like real emotional. And, and he's like, you know, Hey, I always thought that you and Sam would, would get together and get married someday. And I'm like, that's kind of weird because Woody's never really seen them as a couple. So right, right, yeah. Uh, he's he's been there for literally like a year at this point. Um, oh, oh, by the way, I have to go on a little mini rant about the chronology of this episode and how it fits into Cheers. All right, all right, let's do it. Okay, okay. So, all right. Well, one of one of my hobbies, I like I like doing uh, fictional timelines and stuff, and and one of the uh, timelines I've I've done is like a big Cheers Frasier timeline where I just try to figure out well when in the the calendar year is this episode taking place or you know does this episode cover two weeks does it three months whatever okay so in this arc we've got an election for the Boston City Council because Janet Eldridge is running for re-election and so you'd think that the episode takes place in October, November, somewhere in the run up to the election. But in the first part, Frazier says, oh, it's been one year since Diane left me at the altar. Right. So if assuming the last season finale took place in like May or June, that means that this one is taking place in May or June. And I actually looked it up, but the, Boston City Council had elections in 1985 and 1987, but they did not have one in 1986. <laughs> so is this a recall election? Maybe oh, yes, some kind of special election. Like, I, maybe. That's the only justification I can think, because it has to take place in like May or June. And the season premiere of the next year takes place like directly after this finale. Um, and also during the press conference in this episode, one of the Reporters ask Janet Eldridge, uh, hey, how do you think the Sox are going to do this season? So that implies the regular baseball season hasn't started yet. So that that implies the episode is taking place like in April. Yeah. It's, it's just a mess. <laughs> and, I, and I realize I've put way more thought into this than the writers <laughs> did. And ultimately, it doesn't matter because it's a funny story. But You're I right. just had to do that because that's how my mind works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh gosh, I'm trying to spread. Oh, I can't. I can't make logic of it. But 
Um, anyway, weird. Diane is left alone in the office. Sam and Janet come in. Diane, for some reason, just panics and hides underneath the desk, which is mm-hmm. a great little physical bit. Um, I I love it. I love how Sam's body language and his whole behavior and demeanor changes when Janet starts talking about them getting serious. Right. She's um, like, oh, you, you feel like you're trapped. And he immediately like gets out of her embrace. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't feel trapped, but like he physically moves her to get away to like, move right, like right. that's just great blocking. Great little bits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was perfect. Yeah. That's great. I also love because uh, Diane talked to Woody before Sam and Janet came in and then Diane panics and hides <laughs> into the desk when they come in. Woody after, after <laughs> Janet leaves, he comes in and he, he's like, He's trying to say, like, oh, by the way, did you see Diane? She was waiting. She, and then she, he sees her. her to wait. Yeah. And 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 then he sees Diane and then he tries to cover for her. And he's like, <laughs> wait, wait on tables here at Cheers. And then you fired her and 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 you know the rest. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Sam's just like, thank you for that recap, Woody. Like, and it and it's this weird sort of meta moment because Woody literally gave the recap at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's this it's this it's this veiled meta gag in the middle of the show, and oh, it's it's so well played by Woody Harrelson. I, I it's a it's a brilliant like epi- almost episode ceiling scene just with Woody yeah. in this one. Yeah, and then after after Sam leaves, he like leans down and he's like. <laughs> Chambers, I covered for you this time, but I think you might have a problem with this eavesdropping thing. And she's and, and she's like, yes, I will get help for that. But, you know, just come in and tell me when Sam goes to the bathroom. And she means slow so she can sneak out of the bar without Sam seeing. And Woody just goes, oh, God, it's worse than I imagined. <laughs> it's, it's so like- funny and- if if great Woody, yeah, if if you didn't love Woody already, if he hadn't cemented his place, which I think he did long, long ago, like by the end of this first season with him, that he is just so good. Like he just knocks these few bits out of the park. Yeah, um, yeah. He 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 just has like a little bit in this episode, but what he has, oh, he makes the most out of. Yeah. And I also like when Diane is waiting in Sam's office before the the Sam Janet scene in there, uh, you see Diane pick up a squirt gun in his yes, office. That's a sort of bit of foreshadowing for the press conference. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really clever. And I and <laughs> I, I, I said this the last time I was on the show. Um, I, w- I wonder if that's a bit of business that was added by James Burroughs when they were rehearsing the show. I wonder. I don't know. It's, um, it's and it's really funny because cool then... Diane leaves, goes and changes her outfit to come back for the press conference. Like, like yeah. how how long did it take her to leave, go home, change, come back while they were like still getting set up for everything? Like, uh, well, you know, it, will, it could take an hour or so to set up for a press conference, especially really? if you're in a bar that's not set up for that sort of thing. <laughs> you got to you got to move tables. You got to set up cameras. You got to find power sources. I don't know. I'm just... You got to wait for all the reporters to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah she, she comes back. She's in like a nice sundress. It's like she she's in. She's looks like she's going to church on Easter Sunday. <laughs> she's oh, got yeah, a hat. Yeah. And she, yeah, she got the hat sort of to kind of like conceal herself until she wants them to see her. Right. Um, yeah, because right. the whole thing is sort of like the, the ambush that she's planning. 
Um, mm-hmm. And you're right, like, Gina gets a question about the Red Sox, and Sam tries to give a political-sounding answer yes. about, you know, bringing money to the city, and that allows Gina to kind of sweep in and just give, like, the, the softball, no pun intended, like, hey, they're going to clean house, you know, everything. Is yes, yeah, she was like, in layman's terms, yeah, they're they're going to do well this year. And actually, I, I looked it up because I've done the Cheers timeline. I, I've looked up, whenever they reference, like, a sporting event, I try to look and see if there was a real sporting event along those lines. And the Red Sox actually did really well in 1986. They went to the World Series uh, against the New York Mets, and they lost in seven games. So, yeah. so hey, uh, Janet Eldridge, she she knows her Red Sox, I guess. She called it. She <laughs> yep. called it. She called it. She kept that campaign promise. <laughs> When Diane raised her hand and asked her question, um, the um, David, we haven't talked about him this episode, but David Paymer, yeah. ubiquitous actor, just been in everything, and I love that guy. Yeah. Um, as uh, Phil Schumacher, Janet's uh, um, campaign, campaign manager, manager slash, you yeah. know, just kind of like like chief of staff, and he's like, "What what paper or what uh, like press outfit are you representing?" And Diane says, "Hurley's shop, her, <laughs> Hurley's Market Shoppers Guide," because at this point she's now working as a as a check girl at Hurley's Market. Right. So I guess she was really desperate for a job because, you know, she gets another job that's basically beneath someone of her station or education. But if she's not collecting unemployment, yeah, I guess she was desperate. And she was like, all right, I'm going to get a job at a supermarket. (laughs) And then she asked this question about their about their future. And this throws Sam off completely. He gets sort of controlling Mm -hmm. about the microphone and then gets defensive and yeah, you see the other reporters just picking up on it and instantly just like diving into the same line of thinking as Diane. Like she's just like, just threw a grenade up there. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I mean, just her going out of her way to sabotage it. And we just see how Sam and Diane regress each other when they're in each other's presence. I mean, by the end of it, they're sticking their tongues out at each other and making faces and yeah. doing which, that thing where you, you put your hand up to your nose. and <laughs> Which like calls back to the their breakup at the end of season two mm-hmm. when Sam was like, I want to fight. And she's like, no, I don't want to stoop to this. And she's got her back to him at the door. And she just wants to leave. And he's making all these faces until she finally just blows up and looks at him again. And he's like, I win, I win. And like this sort of childish stuff with their like making faces at each other. Yeah, because I mean, they both have that competitive edge to mm. them. I mean, yeah, neither one can give any ground. Neither one can admit they're wrong or, or admit that they lost a fight. Or, or, or if they can admit that, it just takes a great deal. And, and, and Diane literally has a squirt gun in her purse to squirt Sam during the press conference and color coordinated with her outfit, by the way. It's a nice yellow. Right, squirt right. Gun. So, yeah. so she made the fashionable choice, too. Yeah. Which. I felt like that part just took it up a little bit too far. I felt like that part went, I, I don't know. I, oh, maybe, that was the deal breaker for you? <laughs> well, I, again, maybe it's maybe it's looking at it through a modern lens and the idea of uh-huh. bringing any kind of gun and shooting at somebody during a, a press, uh, like, a, uh, like a political event or something like that just yeah yeah you know i did i did wonder like if if janet elridge had been like a center or something or or something above city council yeah she she might have had like a a secret service type person tackling her (laughs) but that that would probably be too real and it would take you out of the sitcom world that cheers Mm -hmm. lives in Um, so 
So yeah, I, I don't know, like just something about like the the squirt gun, just that that escalation and the fact that it seemed almost like Sam was the only person who saw it, like nobody else, like yeah, even caught it and everything like that. And then when he's trying to throw it, and then when she grabs his tie and like pulls his tie in through the door, she's like closing it behind her, and he gets stuck. That I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just some great physical comedy in there. I just mm-hmm. there are a few different episodes where where uh, Sam Malone makes that that face. That <laughs> yeah. where where he like after he sticks out his tongue he sort of you know curves his mouth down and just sort of like cranes his neck i i don't know how, how to describe it but it's so funny mm-hmm. and he does it a few times <laughs> in the show and it's just such a kick yeah and then we get we have the aftermath where they're cleaning up everything and janet comes out and she has been mortified and embarrassed in front of the press and everything and she's obviously hurt and i think that's the the thing that you're right, that she is a politician. And I think she was a little bit truthful when she said she started off using Sam politically, but I think she actually did find something special in him and she really kind of loved him. But at this point she's like wily enough. She's like, I'm not like, yeah, you're not in this as much as I am. So I'm going to cut bait and and continue my career. I'm going to salvage what I can because that's more important. Well, I I think, I think Janet did have, genuine interest in Sam and there are moments you see in their relationship where like she's genuinely amused by him or charmed by him and even just like going back to the first part of this episode at the beginning where Sam asks her out publicly during her impromptu press conference and she turns him down and she makes a joke at her she's like oh you see what I give up for the people of Boston but then she sends David Paymer back to be like here's here's her private number so yeah, I, I think her interest in Sam was genuine, and she sticks with him after the election, kind of disproving Diane's theory that she's only dating him for political purposes. So, yeah, but again, she's a politician, so that's got to be in the mix, too. Yeah. yeah. So she, she probably was also shrewd enough to realize it's advantageous for me to be dating a local sports hero. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And again, I mean, had, if if not for Diane, I think that would have been an interesting relationship for Sam, and it would have taken his life on a, a very different trajectory. But yeah, again, trivial pursuit with Gary Hart. He could have. Uh, <laughs> well, what what was the woman that Gary Hart was was caught with? Donna Rice was that it? But yeah, maybe maybe Donna Sam Rice. Could have yeah, stolen. you're yeah. right, Donna Rice. Okay, so so Sam could have maybe he could have stolen Donna Rice away from Gary Hart, and then Gary <laughs> Hart could have become president in the in the Cheers universe. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? That would have set us off on a whole different political path than <laughs> than we were on in the real world. And I'm not going to follow that train of thought any longer. But yeah. after she leaves, and Sam is kind of broken up, and he's like, you know, well, there there are other women. Woody's trying to buck him up. He's like, no, I'm glad you, I'm glad you're so, he's like, cause there's a, this really great girl in my apartment and he's like describing it. She's beautiful. She's fun. She's sexy. And, and Woody's like, and if I was a younger guy in this young single guy in this city and you see it click and it dawned on Woody, that he's like, Hey, why am I, why am I setting Sam up with this girl when I could have her? Yeah. 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 He's just like, take it easy, Sam. And he runs out. Again, just uh, just played beautifully by, by Woody Harrelson. He he plays that perfectly. 
Um, and then the last bit where Sam is alone, like he, he sends Carla out and everything, and he just he's he's there at the bar and he turns off the light. So we get this really interesting bit of directing where he's mm-hmm. like in such shadow that like when it does the close up, you don't see anything except really his face and his shirt. Everything else is blacked out. Yeah, um, it's a really interesting bit like that, like this you know dark moment of the soul when he calls up somebody and he's like, "Don't say anything, just hear me out." He's like, "Do you want to get married or something?" Yeah, he, I think he just says like, "Oh, what the hell? Will you marry me?" Like he does it in the yeah. moment. He does it on impulse, which is a very Sam Malone way to do it. He didn't. Yep. He didn't know he was going to propose marriage when he picked up that phone. Mm-hmm. But he mm-hmm. just he just says, "Hi, I've been thinking about you." Oh, what the hell? Will you marry me? And that's the end of the season. That's a that's a great cliffhanger. That's a great way to end the season. Yeah, oh, Ted Danson is so good at playing those those rare melancholy moments of Sam, where he's. I, I love it when Sam gets thoughtful and when he starts self examining his life, and he's like, you know, I'm pushing forty. What do I have to show for it? Maybe it is time for me to settle down and yep, and yep. get serious about somebody. And and it's so rare that you see those moments of like the real person under, you know, quote unquote Sam Malone. But Ted Danson just nails it, man. He's yeah, great. So no, it's it's a great little finale. It's a great uh, capper setup for the, the cliffhanger. Although, as as we've said, and as I back, I I think the the writing was even outside of the you know meta TV show of who is your female lead. Um, I think there was enough evidence just in the way that the show was set up that to suggest that he was calling Diane, not Janet, and not some yeah. not some you know other third option with big cassavas. Yeah, but I, I think they set it up well that it, that Janet seems like a viable option. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I, I saw this episode when I was like 13 and I, I wasn't hyper analyzing TV the way I, I do now. But mm-hmm. uh, so at the time, it seemed like, oh, my God, which is he going to pick? Who knew? You know, and right. in retrospect, right. it's kind of obvious, but yeah. that's TV for you. So. Um. All right. Just a, a few little things, or one more little trivia. Uh, it's a little known fact. Frazier is not in this episode, and I think this is the last time, the last episode in the series in which he does not appear. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I, I mean, he I, he he definitely he becomes a regular in, in the opening credits, starting with uh, starting next season, and I think he's in every episode going forward. Yeah, I can't recall him missing any going forward. I mean, I think I said in the last episode I did with you, uh, I thought he was in the opening credits on season four, and I was very surprised to find out that I was wrong on that. Uh, but I, I gotta say, I didn't, I didn't particularly miss Frazier in this episode. Um, he, he would have seemed kind of extraneous in the story because, because it's a Sam and Diane story, and we already have a third wheel in Janet Eldridge. And, yeah, and I mean, they, 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 were, they kind of I mean, tied up Frazier's part pretty well in the last episode. So, right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they didn't, I mean yeah, they didn't even really have enough for Carla and, and even barely Norman Cliff to do in this episode. They really had yeah. so much meat packed in just with the, the love triangle aspect. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure by this point in the series, the supporting actors knew the deal. They were like, yeah, yeah the finale is going to be a Sam and Diane episode. And the rest of us might have a couple of cool lines or, yeah, or bits yeah. to play and that's fine because they get their moments throughout the season. So, 
Yeah, at this point, it was kind of like almost everyone would get two or three spotlight episodes. You know, there'd be two mm-hmm. Carla episodes a season, two Norm episodes a season, or at least two, if not more. Right, um, right. But, yeah. And that's a good balance. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, for Norm's tab, speaking of which, uh, he had four beers this episode. So at the end of season four, he has had 377 beers. Oh, I was really wondering if he was going to crack 400 by this point. No, Ooh. no. I, he, well, so maybe far, next season. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So, so far, he has not topped 100 in a single season. He's come close, but uh, he's been a little bit short. So, what What is the most number of beers that he's had in a single episode? Do you, do you recall offhand? Oh, there was an episode where there was, it was, um, was it the one when Sam was trying to read a Hemingway book or something. No, it wasn't Hemingway. It was, um, Warren Peace. Yeah, it, was, it was Sumner's return, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because there was, there was a cutaway thing where like Norm was there. Is like, what time is it? Is like, Clivia, hey, how many beers have you had? Is, or, or Sam or Norm, how many beers have you had? He's like 11 or something like that. Or, <laughs> or, or maybe it was, um, there was something like where there was like an episode when like they were watching a game and Norm had been drinking every every inning or something like that and he's uh-huh. like counting up. He's like, "This one might have been for the something." So there's there's been an episode when he had like fifteen, but that was like oh a, my God. A, that was like a huge outlier. But yeah, there have been a few episodes when he was in double digits, but for the most part, the average is probably three. It's like uh-huh. kind of like almost almost every scene he has a he has a beer is kind of like the average. I got to tell you, I find this fascinating I, and it's such a great recurring bit for the show. And I hope that <laughs> when you complete this, this podcast and finish off season 11, I hope that the grand total is added to the cheers Wikipedia page. Hopefully it will. I, I should, I yeah. should su- submit that. Yep. Yeah. We should become Wikipedia editors just so we can submit <laughs> that. <laughs> good thought. Good thought. Ryan Daly of Cheersgast figured out that Norm consumed X number of beers over the course of the entire series. <laughs> and we and we should have charts and graphs and all that. Let's there go, go all the way with this thing. Uh, for the employee of the week, I, I mean, I, I did think, again, Sam and Diana are both great. I think Sam, this was morally, uh, more a Sam episode. However, big shout out to the close runner-up was Woody for, as you said, make, with with just a few little bits, did so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so Woody gets the gets the shout out, but this was Sam episode for me. Uh, yeah, I got I to gotta agree with you. Um, I, I got to give a shout out to Woody. Uh, cause he's, he's very funny. I love, I love the, you know, she came in here to wait uh, on, on tables here at Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Um, just, just Woody trying to cover for Diane, uh, is hilarious. I, and I haven't mentioned either of these lines before, but Diane also has a couple of great lines in this episode that Shelley Long just delivers beautifully. Um, when she reveals to the bar that she's a checkout clerk at Hurley's Market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um one one of the barflies is like, "Hey, that's my market." Yeah. Um next time I'm in there, I'll say hi. And she just goes, "If you don't, I'll be angry." <laughs> um, she goes into this customer service mode and then is immediately disgusted at herself for doing right. that. Um another Diane line I loved was when she's trying to ask the question at the press conference she she says like I'm at the I'm with the Hurley's market shopper guy. guy, Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, "Uh, no, we're not taking a question from, from that. And she just goes, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful line read. 
by uh, by Shelley Long. That's that's great. But at the end, I I had to give it to Sam. He's uh, I think he's definitely the employee of the week. Just all the physical humor with with the sticking out his tongue at Diane, the tie in the door bit, um, yeah. the 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 thing he does with his voice when his he's caught <laughs> in the door by his necktie. And, he raises the and, and the the melancholy moment at the end where he's just examining his life and he just proposes on impulse. I mean, it's it's just mm. so great. So, yeah, I got to give it to Sam and Ted Danson. Yeah, and that leads to my home run because I, there are some great funny moments, but I think the dramatic button of like that last moment the 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 proposal at the very end is the the highlight of this episode and just like Mm -hmm. from the lighting and the delivery and everything about that that's just like that's the best part about this one that's the the thing that you remember um but in terms my my runners up for the more comedic things i i do love woody talking to diane under the desk (laughs) he's like Mm -hmm. i covered for you this time but i think you've got a problem um and then the one that kind of surprised me, but I really, really thought this was funny, was during the press conference. Um, you mentioned how, like, Diane asked the question. She's like, when she's talking about marriage, and Sam is like, you know, we've only, we've only been together for four months, and mm-hmm. Diane's like, by my calculation, it's only been six weeks. Maybe it just seems longer. And yeah. one of the reporters stands up and goes, Councilwoman, do you agree with Mr. Malone that the relationship seems to be dragging along? <laughs> like, yeah. delivers it with this really, like, slow exaggeration. Like, has, mo- has your relationship lost its momentum? <laughs> like, they're going in for it. I'm like, what a great delivery from the reporter. It's, it's great delivery, and it's beautifully scripted. I love that whole press conference scene. Um, and, oh, I love, at one point during the press conference, um <laughs> Sam says to Diane, "How dumb do you think I am?" And then Diane immediately comes back with, "Oh, I think we're supposed to answer the que- ask the questions." Janet, how dumb do you think Sam is? Um, that that could be my home run of the episode, but I I, I think I had to give it to Woody on the the she came in here to wait <laughs> wait tables at Cheers. Um, just and you fired so, her. You so know the rest. funny and just. Yeah, such a great Woody moment. Yeah, so yeah. I I'm, I tend to give my home runs to my biggest laugh of the episode, and I I think the Woody w- was that. But but uh, Diane turning it around of how dumb do you th- do you think <laughs> Sam is? That's another great moment. So uh, yeah. yeah, just missed it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, folks, that is it for the season four of Cheers Cast. Uh, I will be back in two weeks to uh, cover some more listener feedback and go over some final thoughts about the season. But uh, until then, John, thank you very much for coming back one more time. Where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Okay, if if you want to hear more from me, at first I question your judgment, but if you do, um, I do a, a podcast called the SNL Nerds, where I cover episodes of Saturday Night Live with my uh, friend and fellow comedian, Darren Patterson. Uh, We talk about new episodes of SNL when it's on. When it's not, we cover movies and other projects starring SNL alum, and we interview people involved with the show as well. Um, You can find us on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show, and just to do a search for SNL Nerds Podcast, and you should be able to find us wherever you listen to fine podcasts like this one. And you can follow me on Twitter at Trumbull Comic, T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L, and the word comic.
All right, John, thank you very much for coming back. And uh, thank you to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford Wright from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, who sponsor the show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit Patreon patreon.com slash fwpodcasts again i'll be back in two weeks with some listener feedback to wrap up the season but until then i hope you had a happy holidays and happy new year thanks everyone for listening and until next time we're closed where is uh miss chambers hey how, how should i know where she is what, give me a break will you she came in here to wait she what yeah <laughs> Wait on uh, ta- tables here in Cheers, and you fired her, and and you know the rest. Thank you for the recap. <laughs> Thank you. Miss Chambers. Uh huh. I covered for your eavesdropping this time, but you know, I think you have a real problem. (laughs)